two series. Um, it's simply called Ten. And uh, what the series is going to look at is, is the ten, what, what at least I believe are the ten most important chapters in the Bible. If you don't know these, you know, for many of us as believers, you know, there's this whole matrix of doctrine. There's this whole matrix of teaching. And people outside the faith want to know, why is it that we're, we're so bent on creation? Why is it as believers we're so bent on this idea of sin? Why is it that, you know, as, as Christians, we say, you know, you can't work your way to heaven. You need a Savior, that, that this ability to be a good person, to, to get you to, you know, the gates of heaven is just something you can't accomplish on your own. And there's so many questions about Christianity, and, I'm, and, and I, I just thought it'd be really good to kind of reduce it to the essentials, you know. Here are, if you don't understand these 10 chapters, you're not going to get the full matrix, the, 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 the full mosaic that, that comprises Christianity. This is where everything kind of resonates and works out of. So after these 10 weeks, I hope you get this beautiful picture of the entire narrative of the Bible from the very beginning to the very end, what, what the full sweep of the biblical witness is all about. And, and of course, to, to begin this series... You know, most of us have felt this tension. Do we believe what the Bible has to say? And this morning, we're going to look at, at the, probably the chapter that causes us the most angst in our modern world. Uh, it's probably the chapter that, that when it comes to science... Uh, it's, it's in direct conflict with the fundamentalist, if you want to put it that way, that it's a, probably the chapter that, that, that causes most of us to question where modernity stands in terms of what the Bible has to say. And many of us have struggled with this whole evolution, creation debate. Did God, did God do it this way? Did God do it that way? What about this? What about that? And we're going to actually struggle together with this whole question about, about um, what we've had in, in, uh, in the very beginning of the Bible. I've taught Hebrew for over 10 years, and what I did in my class was, was I, I, I've, I got the students throughout the lecture series to actually translate portions of the Bible. Okay, And there were three translations that always caused me to extend the lectures to the next, to the next day because there were so many questions. It, it, it invigorated so much debate. It got the students so excited that uh, it invariably I just ended up scheduling two days after um, these particular, particular lectures. And the first one was Isaiah 53, you know, if you know anything. And we're going to look at that passage a little later on down the road. The second one that caused a lot, of, a lot of interest from the students is when we translated the word worship in the Old Testament. Because the word worship in the Old Testament is very unique form. Very unique form. And the, other, the third one that caused a lot of, uh, of debate and a lot of insight was the passage we're looking at this morning, which is Genesis number one, the very opening salvo as it is when it comes to the creation story. Now, something that people don't, uh, don't often realize is that the creation story itself is when we think of Genesis, we think of the creation. Um, but Genesis is 50 chapters long. 
And what's surprising about it is that only the first, um, we have the origin of the world, which is Genesis 1, the origin of the nations that goes up to Genesis 11, and then the, and then the initiation or the origins of the nation of Israel. For a majority of the book of Genesis, it is about the origins of the nation of Israel and the plan that God began in a people in order to bring us to where we are today. But for many of us, we believe that when we think of Genesis, we just think of in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the book of Genesis is far more than that. But that's where we have to, that's where we have to start, is in that very place. Now, here's the other thing about Genesis. Genesis does not have what's called the theogony. A theogony is the birth of the gods or the birth of God is what a theogony is. The Bible does not have that. Most cultures, all cultures, I should say, have at least what's called a theogony um, that talks about the mythology, about how God came into being, how the gods came into being. Um, in the Greek culture, there's a theogony of Hesiod that talks about how the mythological gods came into being. The Bible doesn't have that. The Bible starts with God. God has always been there. God has always existed. God has always been who he is. Now, I don't know about you. I've said this, you know, I say this in class all the time. I can, I can kind of, in my limited mind, think about going on and on and on forever I can kind of get that in my limited mind, um, but I can't get in my limited mind no beginning. Isn't that kind of a tough concept to figure out? But God has always been there from, I can't even say the beginning. (laughs) God's always been there, right? So there's no theogony in the Bible. The Bible just starts with God while all other cultures try to explain how God came into being. And that's what we have this morning. And the book of Genesis, uh, the word Genesis basically means origin, beginning. It's the origin of all things. It is the beginning of the things that God created. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book. All right, and so it begins. Here we are with our 10 series, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, fly through this material. If you're part of the life groups, if you're part of uh, the groups that are studying this through the week, you're going to get, and, and, and even if you get the life group material that's in your bulletin right now, you're going to get uh, what next week's message is going to be about. Now, we're looking at whole chapters. Like today, we're going from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3, okay? Because that's basically the, uh, the section that is marked off for this particular, and that's a lot of reading that we have to do. So I'm not going to try and read the whole chapter during the services. So if you're able to read the chapter in preparation for next week, that would be really good because that would just save us a lot of time when it comes to reading, etc. And it sort of prepare you for the messages as well. So Genesis 1, we're going we're gonna to start right here with the very well-known words, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Tohu vabohu in in Hebrew. And darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. 
Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, that he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Okay, those are very well-known words. And the first day becomes the introduction to God's creative ability and God's creative beginning and what he has done with the tohu vabohu in Hebrew, earthless, formless, and void. And in Hebrew, when those are combined together, it's basically chaos. What has happened in the beginning, how, that, that whatever the earth, whatever, whatever is formed out there, it's in chaotic state. It is a chaotic state. You know, and then this is, uh, this is an area that you've, you've got to accept in the text. Whatever is there, it's a chaotic form. It's, it, it's nothing. And God takes it and begins to form it and begins to make it something tangible. Is what the text is teaching us. Okay? This, this, this to, can you say tohu vabohu with me? Tohu vabohu. There, you know Hebrew. Right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, so, you know, you can imagine in Hebrew class, the students just get that right away, right? Okay? Um, they catch on to that right away. So Genesis is about conception, okay? Now, the problem that we have with Genesis is our modern world of science, right? And there are two things that happen in the book of Genesis that cause us a lot of consternation. How long is a day is the first problem. How long is a day? Second problem is the order of creation. On the very first day, God creates light, but we don't have sun, moon, and stars until day four. All right? So that causes a whole lot of problems. By the way, in the book of Genesis, uh, in, in, in this first part, they don't say sun and moon. They say the little light and the big light. Okay? It's not because they didn't have a name for the sun and the moon. It's because Moses did not want to give the sun and the moon any credence above God. Okay? Because at that time, people worshipped the sun and the moon. They were objects of worship. And Moses refused to give them a name in case it became a competition between those and the God of creation. So it's the big light and the little light. All right? Very important. Now, in terms of day, right, there's no... Listen, I'm going to tell you, there is no denying that the way this text is structured, it's to give us the impression that in six days God created. Can't deny that. Can't deny that. All right? But does that mean that we have to hold to that scientifically? Is there, is there conflict with the text and with science? One of the things that I'm going to appeal to my students when they take this and when they translate it in Hebrew, one of the difficulties they come up with right away is this whole business of, and the evening passed and the morning came, marking the first day. How long is evening? How long is morning? Do we have any distinct understanding? 
Is it fair to say that our assumption right away goes to 24 hours? Okay. Or could evening and morning be 12 hours? Or could it be longer, right? Everybody's, are you looking at me like I'm a heretic? <laughs> right? Isn't that mess you up? Right? This could very well, listen, the brilliance of this passage is that it's written as if 24 hours, but we're not limited by that. We don't know at what time the creation began in terms of the chaos. This, this is a poetic passage. This is, we can't even define the genre of this passage. But it's not in conflict with science. One of the big things that we end up getting into is we're so drawn by the word day that we hold so rigidly to it, though we can't really define day the way it is made in this passage, that we make it such a test of faith that we end up getting ourselves in trouble with science sometimes. And we have to be very, very, very careful about how dogmatic we are because there's a lot of fluidity in the text. And I know you're trying, you're trying to trust me at this point in time, but in the Hebrew text, there's a lot of fluidity about what is happening here, even though the text is written for us to imagine it in a week. Now, here's, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I am naive enough to believe that if God did it in six days, he did it in six days. Absolutely. I believe that God is powerful enough that if he did it in six days, he did it in six days. That's not a test of my faith. I'm, I'm, I'm naive enough to believe that if God wanted to use evolution, controlled evolution, whatever you want to you know, think in terms of that, I believe that God is powerful enough to have done it that way too. I'm not naive. I'm naive enough to say that if God wanted to create the universe and it's only 10,000 years old and he created everything to look like it's that old, I believe God is powerful enough to do that. Okay? That is the, that is the point I am trying to make. That to, to, to make this kind of like a rubric on which we have to judge everything else in Scripture, we're going to get in trouble. Because the text was never, ever, ever, ever meant to be a scientific a scientific treatise on the how and the when. What it was meant to be was the who and the why. That's what the text is supposed to be about. It's about the who and the why, that it's about God, and it's about creating based on his creative ability to create a world that was in the end very, very good. Very good. And I'll tell you, you know, it may not sound like it, but I actually believe God did it in six days. I actually do believe that, okay? Because I believe God is powerful enough to do that if he wanted to, all right? Sometimes I, here, sometimes I wonder how much we limit God because we don't like what we hear science and, and, and we use science as the judge on which God's ability is measured. That's a big mistake. That's a big mistake. Because God can do anything he wants. 
He is that powerful. He has that ability. And again, I'm naive enough to believe God before I believe anything else. I'm that naive. Okay? All right. Here's the chart. I want to show you a chart. All right? The first day, right? Here is a really important. Genesis is structured beautifully. It's structured in a particular way to create a theme, right? Tohu babohu, the formlessness and the emptiness. God spends the first three days forming, forming light, the sea and the sky, and then three, the fertile earth. Those are the first three days of creation. And then when God is done forming those things, he correspondingly fills those things. He fills on the fourth day is the lights, the big light, the little light, the, all the little lights in the sky, like the stars, right? Number five is, is the creatures for water and air. And then, and then day six is when he creates the, land, the creatures of, of, on the earth and humanity, very, very important. So this is the structure of Genesis. And the structure in Genesis is day one. Okay? It's a cardinal number. And from there, it's ordinal numbers. The second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. All days are modeled like day one in Genesis. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, piece of literature and structure. Very nice. But on day seventh, God rests and institutes the Sabbath. And what it's created for is to give us a model of how we should live based on the creation week. The six days of work, the seventh day of rest, something that we've perverted in our society. We have no Sabbath anymore. It's just seven days of go, go, go. And we never get it done, done, done. Right? You know, you know what we're saying? But, but, but God developed a pattern for the nation of Israel to live based on the creation week, to rest on the seventh, to give peace to the seventh day, and, and even for the seventh year, and even for the way that their whole uh, feasts and festivals were structured. It was an intention by God to, to, to build this into the lives of his people. So there's something much more going on here than there was just to argue over day. And just to argue over the order of creation, it's to build something else much deeper into the lives of his people. Here are the major movements, in, in, and you have this in your, in your life group material, that chart. Here are the three major movements in Genesis 1. It goes from darkness to light. That's why in the creation story, you've got from evening to morning. It's, it's taking the darkness and dealing with the darkness and bringing, bringing light to a dark world. Gospel of John. Very first chapter, right? Men love darkness, and the light came into the world. That, that's all based on the Genesis creation account. Chaos to order. God is a God of order. We have said this many, many times, right? Whatever chaos, and we, we, we personalize it, right? We say whatever chaos you have in your life, God can bring order into the chaos of your life. Amen. It's based on the creation rhythm. That's how God works, this chaos to order. And number three, this emptiness to life. What is, what is chaotic? What is, what is this tohu vabohu now becomes living nefesh, living life in the book of Genesis. It's really important, okay? Here is where Genesis 1 drives towards, which often we miss because 
we're so bound by the beginning part of Genesis. And let, let's read this next part. We're into verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. That is the pinnacle of creation. That is the point of God's creative endeavors, is to bring this idea of humanity into the world. Now, you hear all the time people say stuff like, animals do not have a soul. You hear that all the time. In the, in the Hebrew Bible, all living things are called nephesh, which is living soul, a living being. Um, the animals in Genesis 1 are called living nephesh. Human beings are called living nephesh. Here is the difference. Here is the difference between humanity and the animal world. Only we are created in the image of God. That is the distinction that we hold between us and the animal kingdom, is that we are made like him in the image of God. Because God has wired us for a direct relationship with him. We have the creative ability we have the, the characteristics, we have the nature, we have the emotional capacity, we have all those things that are part of the nature and the character of God imbued in us. In Genesis 2, we are the only ones that God takes, forms out of the ground by his own hands. Everything else is spoken into existence from a distance. God, when it comes to creating humanity, gets down in the dirt and gets dirty and actually takes and forms us and breathes into us and makes us a living nephesh and gives us his character and his nature. That is the really important thing about the Genesis story. It is the pinnacle of creation. It is the reason why God did what he did, was to bring into his creation humanity that is just like him. Now how do you feel? You feel, you feel okay? Or does that tell you something about why God created in the way he did? And the second thing about creation that's really, really important is that we are made like him, but secondly, that we are called to reign. That we are called to be ambassadors for God on this planet. That we have the authority on this planet to reflect the nature of his creative ability, to reflect his mercy, to reflect his compassion, to reflect all the characteristics of God in a good way to the creation that he has given us authority over. 
That's an amazing privilege that we have. That is an amazing um, gift that God has given us. But we get so bound in the creation story about how did he do it, what day was it, you know, all this kind of stuff, that we miss the central point. And we try to make it a science treatise because often we ask questions of the Bible it was never really meant to answer. Be careful what you ask of a text because if the text was never really meant to answer that kind of question, you're going to get a perverted answer. That's the reality. And if you try to worry so much about the implications of the days and the structure and all of that kind of stuff, you're going to miss the point about why God created in the first place. God didn't need to create us. That we are an object of his desire. We are an object of what he wanted to do in the world to reflect his glory, to reflect his presence, and to make, to, to make a, a people that would be totally enamored with him. We are the pinnacle of, of the creative act that God brought into the world. Okay, let's, uh, let's end this. All right, here's the last part of the Genesis story. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So God's looking at all that he saw, and it was very good. In, 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 the, in the Hebrew text, it's, 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 it's tov, 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 all good. Gets to the sixth day. At the end of the sixth day, it's mov tov. It's very good. Okay? Uh, it, it's, it, anybody want to take Hebrew and, and do this? It's really cool. I can't tell you how cool it is. Um, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all the work of his creation. That it's mov tov, that the hand of God on the creative world is something that God himself is extremely, extremely pleased with. You know, the older translations... um, Used to, used to say the Lord of hosts. Have you ever heard of the Lord of hosts, the older translations, right? You know, this, the Lord of hosts actually comes out of, out of these verses. Did you know that? Okay. Um, Yahweh Tzavaot, it is in Hebrew. And, and where it says, um, in evening morning, God looked over all that he made and saw that it was good. What the text implies is all of creation is finished. And God, and Lord of hosts is a military term, all right, in Hebrew. And it's as if God is the, the general walking up and down the rows of his entire creation and going, yep, that's amazing. Yep, that's out of this world. Yep, that's phenomenal. That's mov tov. That's mov tov. That's, that's very, very good. That's what it implies. So when, when the Bible talks about the mighty Lord, the Lord Almighty, that's, that's the terminology that's being, that's being talked about. It's a creation designation. It's a creation title. 
that the Hebrew people knew right away when they heard it. If that harkens back to creation, that it's an important designation. We are not, according to Genesis 1, a byproduct of natural something. That we are an intentional act of God to bring glory to him as we reflect his nature and his character into the very world he created for us. That is an amazing opening salvo that comes out of the Bible. And that's, and that's the direction of the text. That's the force of the text. That's the highlight of the text. No one in the Jewish world would have been so dreadful